This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. This is Dick Beardsley, and this is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. We are checking in with Mandy Urich, queen of the wild frontier. Mandy, welcome back to the show. It's great to be back, and it seems like it's been eons. It has been. And we, we, when we last talked, it was early fall, and you were all about fishing because the bite was so good. We, we, I don't think you even meant hunting yet. So um, how much hunting did you get in this, this fall and into winter? I, I actually did quite a bit. So I will say, I have never open water fished as late as I have this year in my entire life. <laughs> I believe Ever. that. Uh, it was, I would say, late October before I finally said, okay, I, I actually have to stop, and now it's time to go hunting. <laughs> so with that being said, I obviously missed the majority of bow hunting season, but I, honestly, I couldn't have traded it. It was well worth it. What an absolute gorgeous fall, and the bite just kept going forever. So, um, yeah, I switched gears. I was in the stand and literally continued to be in the stand all through rifle and muzzle loader. Oh, wow. So I think, uh, I think I, I probably logged close to 200 hours, uh, between the two seasons this year. Um, just odd, super warm, you know, super warm, super windy. Um, I was actually lucky enough, uh, to see a lot of deer. I, I took a, I took a big doe with my, my bonus tag, oh. but continued to continued to wait for the one. And I will say on day 10 of my full day sits, the one came out at 40 yards broadside, looked at me and I almost puked. <laughs> His rack was completely busted up. Mm. He was, a, a shell of what he should have been. Oh. So he got a free pass. Uh, and I will say, according to my trail cameras, he still lives. Good. So that's that's great because he was awesome this year, which means if he makes it all the way through to next year, boy, he's going to be a dandy. Mm. So yeah, I've, now I'm just, you know, I finished muzzleloader hoping, hoping to get a random that I hadn't already had on camera or seen, you know, 47 times across how many months, mm. but... No such luck. And now I don't know what to do because it's like 40 degrees and raining here, which, gosh, do I need to get back in the stand for, <laughs> for late bow season? I mean, I can't go ice fishing, so maybe maybe this is what I'm supposed to do to make up for missing early bow season. There you go. Yes. Yeah, you, de- you definitely don't want to be out on the ice right now. No. Uh, we've got a ton of open water. I know you do. I so I, I just... Drove, drove north, so I was up in Grand Rapids thinking, you know, maybe they would have some ice up there. No, they got open water, too. Well, we had ice. I haven't checked lately. I got to assume we still have mostly ice, but boy, it's, it was really, it was like 50 degrees yesterday, so that, that doesn't help anything. No, it's raining here right now. Oh. I have green grass. I <laughs> have green grass. This is a problem. It's almost Christmas. Yeah. We, we do not like green grass at Christmas in northern Minnesota. No, <laughs> this is sacrilegious. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so, so just deer hunting for you this fall? Yeah. Well, I got out and did a, did a little grouse hunting. Uh, I will say not just in the Brainerd Lakes area, but from across the state. Um, 
gross numbers were just astronomical. That's you what know, I heard. They, they always go in a cycle, and definitely this year was was a high, super high for them, which is awesome. Um, to, to be able to go out and, and, and see that many, I mean, oh my goodness. You must be doing something really, <laughs> really wrong if you can't at least bring home a grouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I heard those numbers were good. A lot of people were out grouse hunting for sure. But let, let's go back to deer for a second. You said you saw a lot of deer, so you're feeling pretty good about deer populations in, in the Brainerd Lakes area? I am. I think this was, would, was a, a tough year to judge mm-hmm. um, because there wasn't a lot of deer movement, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we're so used to having super cold temps that those deer are constantly forced to move to stay warm, to feed, you know, and that just wasn't happening. Um, a lot of the people that I, are friends of mine that, you know, that hunt saw very few deer. And so it, it's hard to say, but when you factor in too, we had a really horrible winter last year, super deep snow from early all the way through. Um, I didn't see a ton of fawns this year, which makes you think a lot of them probably got reabsorbed. So I, I don't know. I think it's really patchy. Uh, where I think where food was available for them last winter, you're going to have you know a decent deer population, and where they where it wasn't, mm-hmm. I think a lot of them perished and or and or you know didn't carry those new fawns to term. Okay. Um, what's the CWD situation in your area at this point? Zero. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I. I know you're on the countdown again, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this year, correct. We uh, The opening weekend, I should say, is still mandatory testing in our area. But as the previous years, we did not have an early season hunt, um, antlerless hunt, to try and reduce that population. So, yes, as long as we stay negative, zeros, um, it will go. It'll be back to to life as as normal. So we were allowed this year one bonus antlerless tag and then a regular harvest tag that was either sex. Okay. Well, you did get that uh, that doe you said. So so talk to me about how you uh, make sure venison tastes great. Ooh, that's, that's always a good the trick. One. Yeah, I, I, that's a good one. And you have seen some. I have seen some horrific stuff. I have seen the old time ways. I have seen people let stuff hang in 48-degree weather for weeks, and I, I think a lot of it's all about the prep. Um, and this year, it was a big deal, obviously, because the temps were warmer, where, you know, you, you couldn't just hang it and let it age gracefully. Um, I'm always a, a, a big one. I want to get it cool as, as soon as possible. So um, Got that, got that dough out, you know, got it field dressed, got it out of the field, got it hung in uh, my cold storage shop, um, and rinsed it all out, basically packed the, the, the inside with, uh, with ice and literally the next day had that skinned out, cut up and, and put into the fridge, um, until I processed it, which was just a couple days later. Okay. I, I think the thing that most people worry about is, it gets too dry. That's what I hear all the time about venison. It's just so dry. <laughs> well, I think that, that that would be less on how the, the early animals probably handled and more on how they cook it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. So so what is the trick there? <laughs> Don't overcook it. I mean, point blank. <laughs> yeah. Point blank. You know, 
I don't know about everybody, but I'm a big, I love back straps. And thinly cut back straps in you know, pan fried and butter are so nummy nummy. I mean, that's better than lobster for me. Um, and there again, it's, it's not overcooking that meat, so it doesn't get rubbery. Uh, and I think a lot of time too, you know, people will get roasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of fat, right? You cut off all that telk and all that fat when you process that deer. So you need to make up for that when you're cooking it. You just don't throw a deer roast in the crock pot by itself. You want a really juicy, flavorful, uh, venison roast, throw pork roast in. Throw it, you know, if you got a, a three pound or a four pound venison roast, throw a one pound pork roast in there. And that, that fat from that pork just keeps that super ju- juicy and always, always, always cook on low, cook it long, cook it slow. Okay. Cook it. Okay. Cook it long, cook it slow. What was the first part? Cook it low. Cook it low, cook it long, cook it slow. Got it. <laughs> well, and that actually works for a lot of meat, not just venison. Correct. Uh, you know, and you can get to, I don't, well, we're at, honestly, and it's not like they're corn-fed here. We're, you know, we're not in, in big egg field, but we're also not, you know, up in, in, I would call the North Country where it's nothing but trees. I've never had to deal, honestly, with anything being gamey um, mm-hmm. or a gamey flavor, but... I do, it, not even just with venison, but with regular meats, which I, people are going to yell at me. <laughs> um, I like to do marinades, too. I'm a big oh. proponent on, on, on marinades. I, to tell you the truth, I just threw some pork chops in the crock pot this morning that were, have been marinating for the last 24 hours. <laughs> I'm with you. I, uh, nothing wrong with a good marinade. So let's get back now to fishing in this long fall. You And literally, you could have, if you wanted to, probably fish until almost December. Um, but the bite was just spectacular all fall long. It, it, it was. Um, I would say, like, the, the, the biggest issue that I ran into wasn't even cold water temp or cold, I should say, cold air temps. It was wind because we were getting such strong winds out of the self that was keeping our temps above normal. So you really had to pick and choose where you were going to fish so that you could actually get out of the wind. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lot of fun sitting there bucking, you know, three, three footers for, for eight hours a day. But, uh, yeah, oh, my gosh. I, I, I normally don't get a lot of time in the fall to crappie fish. And everybody's like, what do you mean you weren't bass fishing? Yes, I did bass fish late. Um, we have these Iron Man series, and it's because normally it's freezing cold. That's why we call them Iron Man. <laughs> and this year was just ridiculous. I mean, I was I was in my flip flops. Yeah, <laughs> it just uh. it just didn't seem right. And it, the weird part was we had way warmer temperatures, you know, late late in October than we did in the beginning of October. So. Yeah, it was fun. I, I just, I, I missed that, that, that getting out and, and having that time to, you know, pick on a species that I don't normally get to. Uh, and I was, I was able, and it was fun for me this year too, to be able to take so many people out that normally I, I wouldn't. It, you know, I'm, I'm trying normally in September to early October to get my, you know, my last days on Mille Lacs battling super cold temps and, and high winds, but, you know, smashing on some big smallmouth and this year you just kind of had your pick of the litter i mean you could go anywhere you could fish for anything even the, the walleye bite mm-hmm. you know early october for us um they were 
everywhere. It was, I mean, you could catch them in six feet. You could catch them if you wanted to, not that I suggest it. You could catch them in 40 feet. Um, and I think they were kind of thrown off too because sure. of the water temps. So they didn't really know. And with uh, the water temps staying up, that meant the vegetation that's in the shallow water stayed up, which meant the bait fish were still there. So they weren't chasing these big pods of bait out deep like they should have been. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it, w- it was real interesting uh, kind of chasing those guys all around. You know, I think one day I hit 14, 15 different spots um, and, and never marked a walleye. And I, I had to stop. I had to stop myself and, and say, don't do this. You're better than this. Stop, <laughs> stop thinking seasonally and start looking at the current conditions. Right. And that's when I was like, Yep. Okay. I got to. I got to head back shallow, which I would never in a million years in late October be fishing that shallow. <laughs> yeah, and that that is kind of something people have had to learn up here. And I know in your area, you know, when zebra mussels came in and cleared up the water, uh, fishing memories was the first thing you had to get over because the fish were not going to be where they had been in the past. Same thing when you have a particularly warm fall. They're not going to be where they typically are on October 12th or whatever the day is. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, and it, it, it was interesting talking to my guide buddies and, you know, maybe, maybe someone found him in, you know, 36 feet of water and they're like, oh yeah, same deal. You know, or we had windows this year, which was really odd. Um, almost like you would during the summertime where you had an early morning bite and you had a dusk bite. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, you know, typically in, in late fall, when they bite, they bite. I mean, you can catch them at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It doesn't matter. But if you look at it, too, falls are normally, they're windy, they're overcast, and that just wasn't the case this year. It was bluebird, high-pressure skies, and sunny. So yeah. couple that with super, super water clarity, especially on Gull Lake, you know, and that's that's going to dictate where those fish are moving. So, yeah, you're always learning. That's why I love to do it. Overall, looking at, uh, you know, because you're as plugged in as anybody I know, um, looking at what you're seeing out there, what you're experiencing out there, are your fish populations strong in the Brainerd Lakes area? Yeah. Yeah, okay. definitely. Um, I, I got to give props to, you know, our fisheries managers in this area, it was a great loss for us to, to lose Mark Bellacoupe to, to leave the Brainerd Lakes area as a fisheries supervisor and take over as the Northwestern Fisheries Regional Manager. But, yeah, they've done a spectacular job in the face of adversity. I mean, everywhere with those changes with invasives, especially uh, zebra mussels, um, to be able to manage these lakes and still have a, a really strong, healthy population is is crazy. Um, yeah. It, it looks good. But my only concern, and it continues to be the concern, is, you know, especially in our area, we are a tourist attraction. So there's there's a ton more pressure put on these lakes and put on these fish. And, you know, not just with, with fishing. There's boating and recreation and things like that. So, um, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of active management and good stewardship to, to be able to, to see these populations that we do. And we have we don't only don't only have the numbers, but we got good size. We're, we're truly blessed, you know, to have muskie and pike and walleye and panfish and bass, you know, largemouth and smallmouth here, um, like right here, and not yeah. have to travel for it. She's Mandy Urich, and I'm just along for the ride. We got a lot more to go with Mandy next.
I'm Jason Durham, the smarter and better looking Jason, and this is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service and Fish House Rentals. Are you looking to plan your next ice fishing adventure? Well, look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is the place to be. There are over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji. Come drop a line at becoming a fishing legend. While on your fishing adventure, explore the hundreds of well-groomed snowmobile trails that Bemidji has to offer. Don't forget to take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Bemidji, bigger fish and better stories. Hey, I'm Jason Rylander, the Jason that can grow a beard like a grown-up. And this is Paul Bunyan country. Let's get back into it with Mandy Urick. One of the things we're hearing here with, with the, uh, you know, water getting clearer on Lake Bemidji in particular, that's the one across the street from where I am at right now, so I hear a lot more about that one. Uh, and I know it's, it's happening, definitely happening in the um, The fish definitely moved. Um, I've heard anglers here in Bemidji who've never had to worry about going deep, having to go deep to get walleyes this year. The problem with that is that makes catch and release virtually impossible because... A hundred percent with yeah, trauma. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's unfortunate. And I think you need to be just, you need to say to yourself, okay, I'm going to maybe get two or three because I know I can't put them back. And, and then I'm just going to have to be happy with that because otherwise... You can just uh, you can really destroy a, lot, a big population if you're not able to catch and release, even if you try and then you're floating on the lake, you know, tomorrow. Correct. Even if you're an experienced fizzer and you fizz those fish, there is still no guarantee that they're going to, you know, that they're going to survive. They may swim off, but they might swim right down to the bottom and die. And that's yeah. what we saw happen, uh, let's say, up in the northwest angle of barotrauma and crappies where people thought they were doing the right thing. I mean, what better than to catch 100 copies in a day? Well, we only kept our, you know, our 10 or our 20. We released everything else. Yeah, well, you pulled them out of 40 feet of water. Yeah. Do, do you know what it looks like underneath that hole in the bottom of the lake? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, there's a lot to be said, and I think it'd be, it'd be great to see a lot more education on, on barotrauma on the different species um, and some additional guidance for it. But, yeah, that's, that's the thing in the fall is once they go deep, um, and sometimes it's like, can you even afford to catch more than one? Let's say we're on Gull Lake. It's hard to catch a 16 to 19 inch walleye. There's a good population that's smaller, but I would say the majority of that population right now is like 25 to 29. I mean, they're giants. Mm. They're beautiful fish. Well, gosh forbid you catch a 24 incher on your first one. Yeah. What do you do when you catch a 26 incher on your next one? You already have your one fish over. The, the, I guess that's why you should say you should always bring a friend along too. But. That's true. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, those are, uh, if you're going to have problems, I guess those are nice problems to have. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and then let's just talk, you know, wildlife and, and, and things like that too. Again, very plugged in, you know what's going on. You feeling good about everything outdoors-wise in the Brainerd Lakes area right now? Oh. Well, it was a drought this year. Yeah. Um, so it was a different. It was, we didn't have a lot of those shallow or wetlands holding water. We're normally, we have a pile of wood ducks here. I mean, I, I normally have two large ponds on, on my property that I don't like to shoot them just because I think they're really pretty. And personally, they, I think they taste like mud. But uh, uh, th- those were dry. And, but we do have the Mississippi River and the Gull River and the Crowing River with those backwaters. And it just, 
just didn't see any numbers this year, any numbers. And we had a bumper crop. I mean, probably one of the best wildlife, wild rice crops that I've seen in 10 years. And we just, they just didn't see the ducks or the duck numbers. And they didn't really see a lot of geese, which is weird. I mean, like even in town or at the golf course. Um, so that's a, that's a little, a little concerning. I mean, not that we're, we're in the flyway. I mean, I'm a little bit biased growing up in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Nothing really compares to Western North Dakota <laughs> for, for waterfall hunting. But uh, I thought that was a little odd. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing, too, we had a bumper crop of acorns this year. Uh, just fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Right. And they started, but because of the drought, they started dropping early. And I think that really obviously affected, um, you know, our deer hunting early, but not just the deer hunting, but our bear hunting um, because they were, you know, gorging themselves on those, those acorns. Um, I don't know a lot of people in the Brainerd Lakes area that, that had success with bear hunting this year. And I don't think it has anything to do with numbers. I just think it had to do more with seasonally what was going on. Okay. Um, so what's next? I mean, obviously you're waiting for ice. I'm waiting for ice. <laughs> I, I, I technically, because I have a, a heated shop, I haven't winterized my boat yet. So, I mean, if, if it actually hits 50 degrees, I, I might have to go put in it just so that I can say that in, you know, at almost Christmas, I was open, open water fishing in, you know, north central Minnesota. Yeah. But, yeah. I know. Until then, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I think I got to get back in the stand. <laughs> how do you, how do you not with this weather? I mean, it, it seems so odd. Um, and I personally really prefer, you know, I like, I like a little bit of snow on the ground, but I don't know what to do with myself. Everything's set and ready to go. You know, my ice fishing stuff's ready. <laughs> it looks so sad. Oh. <laughs> uh, obviously, I don't think I'm going to get to use my, my giant ice castle, which, thank goodness, I've got five portables. Um, you know what the, what the golden rule is. You get a new snowmobile, and you're not going to get any new snow. So good thing I've got a four-wheeler, because if we do get ice, I think I'll be taking my wheeler over the new snowmobile. So, <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I know there's been guys out here fishing uh, recently, but I, how thick do you need it to be before you're saying, "Yeah, I can do this"? Well, one, I'm old and I'm crippled. I don't walk out anymore. I am okay. not dragging 120 pounds worth of gear behind me in a portable to catch fish. So I want to have enough where I can safely drive with my full wheeler and pull my. Uh, pull my portables behind me. You know, everybody says, "Oh, four inches, blah blah blah." No, Mm-mm. I like yeah. six. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm good with with five to six. Uh, and even then, I don't trust other people, and I don't trust lakes. So, if I'm going to go somewhere that first initial time, it's going to take me a long time to get to that spot because I'm going to stop every fifty feet or so and get off, and you know with my chisel and, and, and keep going to make sure that there wasn't a, a windblown spot or, you know, something where all of a sudden you go from five inches of ice to one inch of ice. Okay. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm kind of, everybody I talk to, because most of the people I talk to aren't getting any younger. They're like you. It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be insane anymore. No, I, I just, <laughs> 
I just don't hate them that much. I just can't make myself angry enough <laughs> to put forth that effort. It's yeah. like, yeah, they'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> They're fine. They're waiting. Uh, it's, I don't know. It just, it seems like the last few years, winter has got started later and spring has got started later. It's like every, like we need to have a daylight savings month, you know, move back a month. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about this month <laughs> or this fall. I mean, I, I, I'm floored. And to be honest, everybody's like, why are you complaining? Why are you complaining? Okay, one, well, I'm not technically complaining about having nice, warm weather. I'm not being snotty because I can't go ice fishing. In the Brainerd Lakes area, um, we had a drought this summer. Mm-hmm. And we're still recovering from the drought of 2021. The only thing that saved us at the beginning of last summer was all the snow that we had gotten the winter before. At the end of last October, our lakes are down over three feet. Wow. You know, we're in a severe drought. Okay, so that affects the lakes. Let's talk about next spring. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that, that snowpack, we don't have that moisture, we have such a high probability of burning. I mean, we can go up like Canada did, and that terrifies me. Mm. That's uh, yeah. That's one that we never doesn't get talked about. I think as as much as it probably should. We all are all concerned about you know water depth and things like that. But yeah, dry conditions. It doesn't take much. We've seen it in California. We've seen it in Canada, as you noted. It's that that could be bad. Correct, and I think too. I know there's all this these resources that are offered to to the public for private lands for, you know, fire resource and, you know, protecting your home. And they are pushed. They're pushed in California. They're pushing these states that constant Nevada, where they have these wildfires constantly. But we haven't had that situation here in multiple decades. And I'm thinking right now, huge fire came through. I'm SOL. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not practicing fire wise techniques on my own property that would be able to save my buildings or save my home. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah. Oh, well, that's cheerful. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's, it's really, it's reality though. Well, let's look ahead at your, uh, your uh, outdoor calendar. I mean, what, what are you planning to do over the course of the winter besides ice fish once it gets thick enough? You got any uh, fun stuff planned, uh, TV shows we should be watching, et cetera, et cetera? <laughs> well, uh, I heard through the grapevine that uh, I may be joining a panel for a talk about technology uh, and its effects for fish and wildlife at the DNR Roundtable. Mm, okay. So that'll be that'll be pretty fun. I'm, I'm I'm taking off my DNR cap and I'm putting my fishing hat on. Okay. Uh, for that, so I, I always like those those opportunities, and that'll be coming up in January. And to be honest, everything's kind of on hold to figure out what's what's going on with weather. Um, guide trips that I had in January right now I've canceled. Okay. Um, because we're, we're, there's no way we're going to have the ice at New Year's. Right. Um, to be able to, you know, put my big house out. So I, I don't know. And to be honest, if it, I, I normally try to get out of here in February, right? That's a good mm-hmm. month to go south. Yes, it is. Get some saltwater fishing and kind of, you know, shake it all off you, you come back in march and, and things are starting to thaw plus you're, you're hitting the peak for the you know the really awesome late ice fishing 
Right. I, I kind of don't want to book anything right yeah. now because I don't know what's going to happen. I've got these, you know, plans of grandeur of, uh, you know, head, heading south at least a couple times. You know, I make a couple trips in, in April and, you know, Arizona and, and go back to Florida normally in April, too, to try and chase some tarpon. But I don't know. And that's not me because, you know, I've got 50 things on my mind and uh, they're mm-hmm. normally already on the books. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself for the next month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm curious. You, you mentioned that you're going to be potentially in the roundtable discussing te- uh, the technology issue. Uh, how sold out are you on technology? Do you have the newest and greatest? I do. Okay. Well, I figured. Well, well yeah. I, I, and I would, we should continue this conversation. I'd love to do that after the roundtable because there's going to be some other panel members there that uh, I think we're really going to have an amazing discussion. Okay. Um, and kind of share share those insights. But it, it's one of those things where at the end of the day, does it give you an advantage? Yes. Do you need them? No. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Okay. 50 of the best breeder lake, lakes area uh, anglers showed up to fish a tournament on Gull Lake this past October. And we got absolutely rocked by an old timer who just basically has down imaging. <laughs> because you just, you can't replace that intimate knowledge, yeah. you know? You, you got to be able to put all the puzzle pieces together, and uh, I just love it. I mean, I couldn't have been been happier. I mean, and everybody there was too. And we looked around, and we were all like, there's probably 20 boats here with at least $10,000 worth of electronics on them. And he's like, I think this depth finder might be as old as you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did he call you, did he call you guys whippersnappers? <laughs> <laughs> He's made some references, but I don't know if they're quite that picky. <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap it up, do you have time for a Fast Five? Bring it on. Here we go. Mandy, you're at Fast Five. Fast Five. Who's with me? <laughs> yeah. Question number one. Are you a pop drinker? No. At all? Uh, very rarely I'll have a, a Diet Coke. Okay. So just don't like sugar, don't, what is it? I, I don't like sugar and I, I don't like the, the carbonization. Okay. Question number two. Are you a milk drinker? No. No. Very adamantly no. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant. Well, that'll make it tough. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> well, do you do like almond milk or anything or you just uh, avoid it all together? Nope, avoid it all together. All right. Oh boy, this so so far this is not a very exciting fast five. <laughs> All right, question number three: You're at the backyard barbecue and you're waiting to see uh, what comes off the grill, and they say you can have a burger or you can have a brat, not both. Which one are you having? Well, what kind of brat is it, Kevin? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll go. Uh, we'll go cheddar, wild rice cheddar. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I think I'm still going to have to go burger. All right. Tell me what's on that burger, burger of yours. What do you, In the ultimate burger, what, what do you have on it? I'm going to have pepper jack cheese, pickles. I don't like mustard because it's, or I don't like ketchup because it's too sweet, but I do like mustard. Um, and that's it. No lettuce, no onions. Okay. 
Question number four. Who is the better duck, Daffy or Donald? Oh, boy. I'm going to go Donald. Donald's your guy, huh? No, well. Okay, I, I go Daffy because I can understand him better. <laughs> I was going to say, you can't, you can't pick on the guy with the lid. <laughs> okay. Uh, it also disturbs me that uh, that he wears a shirt and no pants. I, I, that just is too <laughs> weird for me. You know, at least Daffy's you know consistent. He's he's all the way. You know. All right. <laughs> Question number five. It's holiday gift time for the uh, outdoor person on your list. Besides electronics, what is the ultimate Christmas gift this year for an outdoor person? Augers. Augers. Yep, I think I think across the board, and not even talking a, a specific brand, we we kind of hit our peak in the technology of of listening, and we've hit our peak in the technology of having uh, uh, wider blades that are that are let's say plastic, but black they're polymer uh, instead of metal. They've gotten lighter, they've gotten faster, and more importantly, they've gotten cheaper. I think uh, I think that's a big a, a big deal. For person of, of any age to be able to have that tool that fits them and fits their price point um, that, that pretty much anybody of any size can use. And, and you said you're not about dragging out and walking out and anything like that anymore, but with the, the very light mobile houses now and, uh, and those light augers, uh, it does make mobility a lot easier during ice fishing season. Oh, it, it, it 100% is a game changer. And I'll say this. When I shop for a portable, and obviously I, I don't I do not do the pop-ups. I, I need something that I can put behind my, my sled or my, my four-wheeler. I'm always looking at the weight. Yeah, it's great to have the, the biggest, the baddest, you know, fit five people in there, you know, with a tub that you could drive 40 miles down a, a, a dirt road. But at the end of the day, I spend a lot of time fishing by myself. And I still have to load that. I have to unload that, and I have to reload that if that be, you know, in my enclosed trailer or in the back of my truck. So I'm looking at the weight of those items constantly, and I am unbelievably impressed with how the the technology has advanced with the thermal, so the the fabric that they're using, um, and one quarter of the weight that it was even five years ago let alone going from the big, bulky, super thick, super heavy rotomolded tub to uh, one that's half or less of the, of the thickness and are there again a quarter of the weight. All right, bonus question. Do you do New Year's resolutions? Do better. <laughs> that's it? <laughs> like I look back at the year before, and honestly, it normally revolves around, okay, next year I'm going to hunt more, or next year I'm going to fish more. Or next, you know, I, I'm looking at what I've done previously, and I'm always trying to do better. And sometimes it might be okay. You volunteered 200 hours this year. Next year, do 220. You know, but it's always something based on do better. But it isn't like you know, I don't eat sweets, so it's not like <laughs> don't eat sweets. If I if I lost any more weight, I, I would I would blow away. So I, I'm never really on a diet. So yeah, I think it's 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 about self-improvement but on a much more general level okay well then the question is do you do you keep that resolution do you do better i do i, do. I try good for you 
That's doesn't awesome. have to be leaps and bounds, but making a point of it and, and making sure throughout that year, asking myself that question. All right. She's Mandy Urich, good friend of the show. We love having her on. Mandy, have a great Christmas, a happy new year, and I will be sure to chase you down after that round table. Awesome. Sounds great. Happy holidays. Bob Barn, yeah. Country. Country.